Welcome to this episode of Flint CXO Bytes. Really glad you could join us. Flint's the Future Leaders Program for the Tech Users Association of New Zealand, or TUANS, and I'm Craig Young, the CEO. This is a show where we talk informally with a well-known influential leader about their leadership journey and ask some questions about leading in these disruptive and transformative times. I really hope you enjoy today's episode, so let's get on with it. Welcome, JV. Yeah, thanks very much for organizing this, Craig, and uh, he- hello, everybody. I hope you're uh, all safe in your respective bubbles. So we've started each week at the moment, because we started this after we got locked in, about you're obviously working at home. So what's your home setup like? What have you done to make sure you can work at home? Well, I mean, it's interesting because, in fact, a lot of people, when I'm on those video conferences, ask me if I'm at work. Uh, because of the background behind me. And that was one of the first thing I did when when we moved into level four, uh, the day before I went to the office and, and looked for a background that I could put into my, my home office. Um, I was hoping for something a bit smaller. The thing that's behind me is about two meter by three meters, something we use in conferences. Uh, and so it, it uses half of my home office, but I thought it was important because I knew they'd be uh, many occasions where I'd be on videos. Uh, I also had to do some media with uh, TV interviews and things like this. Uh, and so that was one of the first thing I, I said was I wanted to make sure that they'd be that that brand and that people would be able to uh, uh, to recognize the brand whenever I was talking. So that's the big clue behind me was, uh, was the Chorus logo. Uh, so that was one of the first thing I did. Um, you know, I'm privileged enough that I'm, I'm in a home with not too many people. I don't have young kids. Uh, so I haven't had to kind of create that little isolation bubble to be able to do video conferences. Uh, I share the office with my wife, and so far we've been able to do it quite well. Oh, we, um, I'm fortunate we've got a big enough house that uh, my wife and I have separate offices. <laughs> so we haven't had to learn the whole thing about working together, thankfully. Um, I was just thinking, you talked about doing video for media, et cetera. Don't you think it's been interesting watching uh, the news? They've been able to actually get a lot more video interaction with people because people are now using video in their house. Um, no, that, 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 that's very true. And it's funny because I, I did two interviews for, I think it was the AM shows. And, and one was just before we went into uh, level four restriction, but they were still doing restrictions. So they didn't let me into the studio, but they wanted us to come outside the studio and then interview me from there. And the following one was, you know, over a Zoom uh, uh, conference call. And that has become the norm now. So. Hmm, that's amazing. Hey, look, we're going to talk about leadership for the next 20 minutes. Um, so can you give us a little bit of your backstory? Because um, I didn't really introduce you. I mean, you've had senior roles at Telstra over the ditch um, and at NBN. And please don't ask me my view on what the NBN is compared <laughs> to what we've done in New Zealand, because I'm pretty much on record on saying ours is much better. Um, you've been a CEO of a startup as well. You're born in France, so you're French. So maybe tell us a little bit about how you got from one side of the world to the other and, and the journey on the way. Yeah, I'm very happy to do so. So I'm, I'm, I'm an engineer by trade. Uh, so I, I studied as, as a civil engineer. Uh, I then went and did an, an MBA in the US uh, at MIT. So a very quantitative 
type of uh, management approach. Um, the move to uh, Australia came about 25 years ago, purely out of luck. We were, uh, my wife is American, we we're looking at the next place to live. Somebody suggested Australia, and back then we were uh, young, carefree, without kids, and so we thought, let's give it a shot, and that was 25 years ago. Um, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm now um, an Australian citizen. My kids consider themselves first Australian, second French, uh, probably third American uh, through my wife. So it's, it's a mixed background. From, from a uh, leadership perspective, uh, as you said, I've, I've had small business and short uh, job experience at the beginning of my career. Uh, and then I started working with Telstra and then there I discovered the benefit of staying in a big organization for a long time and building tenure and relationships, et cetera. So that's when I got into senior leadership roles was within Telstra, uh, then as you said, NBN. And then uh, this gig of, um, of course, uh, since November is, is my first as, as a CEO of a large company, a, a listed company. Uh, it's a uh, top 50 listed here in NZ and uh, even in the top 100 in Australia. So it's a, it's a very interesting uh, opportunity. Uh, I agree with you that this is a much better setup than the, than the NBN setup in Australia. Uh, that was one of the big appeals for me taking, uh, taking the job. Um, but for, from a leadership perspective and, and going into you know, managing the, uh, the situation we're in, I've always believed that uh, as a senior uh, leader and especially as a CEO, your number one gig is to create a team and put together a team that can actually run the business. Um, it's one of the big learning when you move into leadership is stop doing things yourself and see yourself as somebody whose number one accountability is to create a team that can actually get the thing done. Uh, and in crisis like the one we're currently in, that's when it comes to the test. Uh, because your temptation, if you're in a leadership position, is because you've had the comfort to take action and do things. And your natural tendency will be, okay, there's a crisis. Uh, let me go and manage the crisis. And my, my biggest uh, advice in, in this situation is make sure you resist the temptation. Uh, and that's when you'll see whether indeed you have created a team that's capable of managing the business. Because if you can, that means your team was the right team. That's a really good point. This question wasn't written down, but let's stretch that out a little bit further. You know, as you get further up in an organisation, particularly a large one, and become the CEO, you're, you are an engineer. Um, can you think back to perhaps when you stopped being an engineer and became a leader? What did you, what was the most important thing you learned at that point about letting go of being an engineer? Uh, that, that, that's the, I think that's the hardest thing and the, the biggest uh, uh, moment where you shift from managing things to leading things and understanding that, uh, yes, you have the knowledge, uh, you probably have more experience, so you feel that you could do it better, but realizing that uh, you, you trying to do everything versus you getting things done through a team and just creating a momentum uh, and, and inspiring a vision is a much more efficient way to to deliver the outcome. Yeah. Uh, that's, I think, the moment where you realize, okay, I'm in a different gig than I used to be. Yeah, and and I come back to that comment you made about a, making bringing a team around you. You've got to realize they're the experts, aren't they? Actually, can we just take a ask you a little bit, um, just to quickly reflect on jumping from even just from being an exec with a a responsibility for a functional area to being the CEO? What's mm -hmm. the biggest jump? in those two things? Uh, the, the biggest jump, I think, is that uh, the, the CEO is a very lonely job. Uh, you know, even when you are in the exec team, uh, 
you have a number of colleagues that you can go and have a chat with and they are your equals and, and you can have uh, a, a free flowing conversation with them. Maybe not with all of them, but there are some that you build a strong relationship with. Uh, when you become the CEO, uh, you've got to be careful that uh, you know, because of the role you're in, when you have those conversations with the people who work uh, with you, so the members of the exec team, they're still talking to their boss. And so it changes the content of the conversation. So one of the things I've done um, around this has now built a network of other CEOs that I talk to, and especially in, in moments of crisis like this, where you need to uh, be able to bounce ideas with other people. Uh, so that's, that's the biggest difference. I think you, you suddenly realize it's, it's, a, it's a lonely job uh, because you don't have peers anymore. And so you need to build a new network of peers uh, when you get into that role. Yeah, actually, can we just tease that out a little bit? I mean, I haven't even moved off the first question yet, but tease it out <laughs> a little bit further. So you've got this network of other CEOs that you talk to. Do you think there's value in people who are at the beginning of their career having a peer network that isn't their work colleagues, for example? Oh, absolutely. I, I think uh, having breadth uh, of exposure in terms of different industries, uh, different companies, even if it's in the same sector, uh, is something really rich. Early in my career, I typically did two years and then changed job. Uh, and that gave me an exposure to different companies, different leadership styles, different environments. And I think that's something that I'd encourage everybody to do. Uh, now you might do it like I did by changing gig every two years, or you might do it, as you say, by having a network of people that you talk to. Uh, and develop relationship with so that you understand without having to change job. I was just saying that's a great advert for people belonging to organisations like Flint, where you get to <laughs> network with people and meet people in different organisations. But we'll come back to that uh, later. Look, just um, moving on, through your leadership journey, everyone loves to ask this question. Through your leadership journey, can you think back to a time where maybe you might have done things differently, where you've made a decision or done something and, and now you look back and think, I would have done better if I'd done something much different. different. Uh, absolutely. And I, and I think, you know, crisis of the time that, that bring those. Um, I remember one particular crisis when I was at Telstra where uh, I ended up really managing uh, the situation a lot more than I'm allowed to do it here uh, in the new role. And, you know, looking back at it, I probably jumped into operating mode and took control of things uh, rather than uh, step uh, step uh, back uh, just a little bit to make sure that other people's managed the crisis while I kept a, a higher perspective on it. Um, and that was, uh, I would have been about 10 years ago when um, we had a major breach of uh, confidential data on the network. So we had to take the decision to turn off every uh, at bigpond.com email address and at telstra.com email address for four days in Australia. So you can imagine the impact it has on, yeah. uh, on personal, uh, you know, residential, but also businesses. Uh, that, that was a, a major crisis. Uh, and as I said, in, in hindsight now, I wish I had taken the, the perspective I've taken on this one, which is to let other people manage the crisis and be one step removed to, to have a better perspective on it. Yeah, thank you. That's that's good. Um, that's an interesting one. Um, remember, people, you can put questions if you've got them for JB in the Q and A session. There's nothing there yet, but if you want to put something in, happy to pass them on. Um, this is a little bit trite, but um, it's um, it's about one of the things we've been talking about with people is being authentic 
and being mm -hmm. an authentic leader. Can you talk about why that's important, particularly why it's important to you? Well, if it's important to you, yeah. but also what it means to you. No, it, it, it's very important to me. Interestingly enough, uh, we have four core values within course, and one of them is is authentic, because uh, we do want people to be able to uh, bring who they are to to the business. And I think a, a good uh, environment is one that is uh, tolerant and even welcoming of very different backgrounds, very different perspective, uh, and therefore that being able to bring that authentic yourself to the to the workplace is, is an important thing. Uh, for me, it means that I'm I'm quite open with with people. Um, you know, one of the big things in this particular crisis has been communicating to people because as we work from home, we lose the opportunity to uh, touch base with with everybody. So I've I've done a lot of uh, little videos for the team, uh, and in some of them, I've I've shared with them how I was dealing with you know my my family back in France. Um, how I was dealing with the situation here and things like this. So l letting people see that, uh, you know, there, there is a human being who with, with the same type of concerns and issues than the one that you're feeling is something that I'm quite comfortable to do. Yeah, maybe we'll test that out a little bit because you have only been the CEO since November. And then, you know, coming through, we had Christmas and New Zealand closes down in January, as yep. you all know. Um, I went off to the UK for a month, which was even wow. more interesting. Um, and then, you know, I was sitting in, in, in a lounge in Ireland, in Northern Ireland, watching the TV with this thing happening in Wuhan, hoping that I'd get home in time. Um, and you've suddenly gone into this crisis, managing a big organisation, suddenly dispersed. What skills uh, have you found in yourself that are coming to the fore through this process? I think the one in particular for this one, and given the, the working from home, uh, has been the the communication. Uh, I, I think it's one of the strengths I have. Um, you know, a, a lot of people feel uncomfortable recording a video. They, they'd much rather have people uh, asking questions. It, it's hard to do it in this environment. So um, being able to just ha have a regular two-minute update to people uh, that brings a little bit of personal story, relates to people, etc., uh, has been something that really has paid off. We've done a engagement survey uh, recently of our own team. We do that regularly. We've now done that on a monthly basis to keep track of everybody. Uh, and one of the biggest feedback we've gotten uh, from the team was that that made them feel a lot more comfortable about what was happening to hear it directly from me. Mm, that's a good point. That's a good point. Hey, look, we've got a really practical question being asked that um, it's around what do you see as the biggest risk to bringing staff back into the office too quickly, post-level mm -hmm. three? Um, this is a big question to us as well, not because we've got a big office, but um, I'm wondering whether businesses are going to actually bring staff back in slowly. Uh, and listen, that it, it's exactly the question that we are um, uh, going through right now. Uh, you know, the indication that we could go into level two as early as two weeks from now, I think 11th of May was the, the date that was uh, potentially put on the table. Um, you know, on the level two, you still need to do uh, physical separation. So you need to still have two meters away from uh, your nearest colleague. Uh, for us at the office, it probably would mean that we could only have half of the people in any given day in the office. So how do you do this uh, is not easy to implement. Uh, how do you do contact tracing? How do you avoid people going from one floor to another uh, is not going to be easy. And then on top of that, uh, there are plenty of e external factors that will play. Uh, you know, people with kids, depending on what the school situation is, will have an ability to uh, return to the office or not. Um, people with elderly parent that they need to look after uh, may also be impacted, et cetera. So I think what 
we've decided was to have a very progressive approach, um, not rush into it. So we're not going to say, hey, if we're on level two uh, by the 11th of May, anybody who wants to come back to the office will be able to. We will really planify it. And one of the first thing we're doing is we're doing a survey of all our staff, which is also something that we did before we went into level four. So we're doing one now. You know, are you ready? Do you want to? Do you have any constraints, et cetera? So we'll definitely be very progressive in doing this. Um, you know, one of the things I, I wrote down when I was getting ready for this is uh, in this crisis, what becomes number one above everything is, is the health and safety of, of your team. Uh, and, and that should beat everything. And so when you think about, yeah, let's, let's go back to the office, we're going to want to make sure that we have dotted uh, all the T's and, and sorry, dotted all the I's and crossed all the T's. I, I, you dot uh, I's before we do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've got a really interesting question um, that I wanted to ask you that I've been thinking about over the last couple of weeks. You know, Winston Churchill, I've quoted this quite a lot of times with journalists, etc. Winston Churchill said, never let a good crisis go to waste. Um, <laughs> and, you know, we've seen a huge change in the way we work. We've seen a huge uptake in video conferencing. Um, you know, there are plumbers and architects and builders who are now getting decent connectivity because they're doing things online. Do you think we're going to go back to normal or do you think this there's going to be a new way of what of how we do things? Uh, th th this is a great question. And listen, I think, uh, you know, one of the things that this crisis has shown is that the investment that New Zealand have done uh, in terms of fiber rollout just paid out uh, massively uh, over the last four weeks. Um, I think what the forced level four and now level three has done is it's kind of uh, accelerated and forced people to do things that potentially could have taken another 12 months or two years before they would have felt comfortable with. So the, the big question will be, uh, will people just snap back to the old uh, way to do it? Uh, or on the contrary, will people go and say, hey, I've now proven that I can be very productive working from home. So I want more flexibility. How about I do two days uh, of a week uh, working from home and things like this. So uh, again, when you look at a crisis like this, in, in the short term, what you want to make sure is you do all the right things. So you do the right thing by your team. You also do the right thing by your customers, the community. Now is not the time to kind of uh, try to get an extra dollar out of every connection. On the contrary, you, you let go because you want the, the, to do the right thing. But then you need to start thinking about the, the, the longer term future and the post-crisis environment. And for us, um, either from the way we work ourselves, we'll definitely look at uh, more flexibility around working from home. Um, but we also think that a lot of the businesses that we deal with will do the same and that mm. will have a longer term impact. Mm. Yeah, that has an impact for us as well. Um, just You've obviously got connections to family in France. Um, can you answer quickly, are we better off than Oh, yes. Uh, listen, uh, there, there are very few places uh, that are uh, getting out of this uh, better than, than New Zealand. And uh, I know Australia quite well because I, I still have a lot of uh, friends there. Um, you know, France is, is in a much more difficult situation uh, and it will be a lot harder for them to get out. Uh, you know, the, the luck that you have uh, when you're an island, whether you're Australia or New Zealand, uh, is closing your borders is something that is um, easier to do than when you are mm. France or Spain or, mm. or Germany. So I think those countries will uh, have a much harder route uh, out of it uh, than we do. And is the, um, uh, is the um, French 
situation around being able to connect and broadband and work at home are they are they able to do that or are we are we trying to figure out whether we in the way we can we've got our usb are we that far ahead of everybody listen at the end of the day when, when you think about what you need to be able to work in a in an isolation uh, format uh, you need to be able to do video conferencing uh, you know it comes down to this uh, and interestingly enough you look at our, our network when people are all doing video conferencing it's still less than the peak hour time consumption which typically happens at, at night when people download movies and, and stream movies um, so there's there hasn't been many developed economies where the network itself uh, has been a, a big limitation as to what people could do in isolation uh, you know even in australia I, I, will, I will already acknowledge that the new zealand model is a lot better than the australian one um, the, the nbn infrastructure has delivered uh, and people have been able to work from home so um, it's more uh, specific area so you know there have been some people that are in on fixed wireless uh, and in that cell, that fixed wireless might have become congested. So that you've got limited patches like this. But yeah. overall, I think networks around the world have done quite well. Hey, there's a really good question I want to come back to, um, which is more personal. And we'll just finish mm -hmm. off with a couple of sort of personal type things. Um, this person asked, is it possible for a leader to have a moment of fear or strong uncertainty, particularly at these times? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and, you know, when when you've got a, a responsibility for um, thousands of people, you know, course is about a thousand people, uh, when you've got a responsibility to shareholders, um, you know, the, the market cap of the company is, is, is a big one. So there is a lot of money invested in this company. Uh, you do have uh, moments of, of big uncertainties. I've, I've been very privileged that in this particular crisis, you know, we're not one of the businesses that is facing massive reduction in activity. You know, we're, we're not Air New Zealand. We're not a tourism business. In fact, right now, people need and use our services more than they've ever before. Um, we deal, our customers are not retailers, they are the, the, the big telcos. So um, absolutely, there have been a couple of nights where I've, I've had a hard time falling asleep, trying to make sure that we're doing the right things. That, that's fine. Um, that's why you need a strong team so that you can validate the, the, the decisions that you make. Uh, and then when you communicate to your team, then you need to be quite comfortable in having made that decision and not uh, projecting somebody who's full of doubt and not knowing what uh, what, what he's doing mm. okay um, look I'm going to ask you a quick question and then we'll, we'll, we'll come back to the last one um, there's one in here about how does and can I ask you to be brief on this one yeah. how does Chorus see themselves in the 5G future <laughs> um, I'll try to be brief for me 5G is a complementary technology than uh, to, to fiber so it's not something that will come and completely replace fiber uh, I believe it will allow people to do a lot more uh, when they're on the road uh, I think there'll be a small segment of the market that will decide that it's a proper technology for their home connection. I still believe that the majority of people, especially having gone through um, isolation, uh, will realize that the best connectivity they can have is a fiber in their home. Okay, so now we'll flick back to the personal. <laughs> Sorry, just uh, I wanted to make sure I didn't get asked afterwards why didn't I ask you that question. Um, so it comes back to that thing about fear and uncertainty. You know, we've been locked down for, uh, you know, five weeks. We're still at home. Um, you being physically isolated as well. Um, just have you got any advice or, or uh, to our participants about, you know, maybe what you've learned about yourself in this time or what you think you'd be able to share with people about, you know, how can they re re remain focused 
and keep themselves healthy from your own personal experience? And as I said, for, for me, it's been interesting because, because of the work that we do and the fact that, in fact, there is even more pressure on our business. I've never had days where I, I woke up not knowing what I was going to do. Uh, you know, I've, I've been in the office from 7.30 in the morning to typically 7 at night just doing those things because we've had to make sure that everything was going to continue to work and working with the rest of the industry. So I, I know a lot of people would have had uh, problems because the volume of activity they were doing uh, was lowering. I, I didn't have to face this. I would say the biggest learning for me, especially in this working from home environment is because you miss all the cues that you get on a day-to-day -day basis by being in the office. You know, people will send you email, talk to you, et cetera, but just walking down the corridor, seeing how people are, uh, behaving, seeing the mood around the cafeteria at lunchtime, et cetera, is a very important cue for everybody uh, in the business and in particular for somebody in, in, in my position. Not having that has been a big challenge. Uh, and so the way I've kind of um, uh, tried to get my daily cues has been whenever I've had those video conferences to make sure that there's five minutes where we just talk about you know, the world, how things are coping. Uh, we joke about the fact that there's a cat that moves in the background, et cetera, just to try to get a, a cue for how people are actually uh, dealing with the situation. Cool. Hey, thank you so much, JB, for your time. Um, just to remind, remind people that next week we've got CXI Boats again at 11 a.m. on Friday. We're talking with Lillian Grace. Lillian is the founder and CEO of Figured Group, so quite a different perspective. She's been working remotely since she created Figured Group eight years ago, so we can have a chat to her about how the things she's learned through there. Um, but thank you once again, JB, for um, being with us today, and um, hope you have a, a great rest of the day, and hopefully you get to take the weekend off. Yeah, no, th thanks for that. I hope so too. Uh, thanks for organizing this. Uh, hopefully this has been useful and look forward to continuing to work with, uh, with you and the rest of, uh, of, uh, of your crew. Thanks very much. All right. See you later, Cheers. everybody. Thanks for being with us this week. You can keep an eye out for our next episode simply on our website, twoands.org.nz. You can join us live when we record the show, watch the video on the Turns YouTube channel, or simply wait for it to come out on this podcast. Thanks again, and we hope you join us next time.